Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. I'm Guile, Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr, and I'm joined here tonight by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky Chikrin on Tumblr. Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho, Clotho Spindle on Tumblr. Eon. Hey, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And returning guest, Ellie. Hi, I'm Ellie, and you can find me at Attention Deficit Aptitude on Tumblr. So <laughs> tonight. a mouthful. I know, I know. right? <laughs> <laughs> So tonight we're going to dive into A Clash of Kings with Caitlin's first chapter in the second book of the Song of Ice and Fire saga. So um, presumably we are going to have spoilers for the entire Song of Ice and Fire and Game of Thrones. Um, this chapter seems to take place shortly after Rob's been declared the King of the North. He's had time to have a crown forged of bronze and iron. The metals of winter, Cat thinks, dark and strong to fight against the cold. And the chapter starts as Rob has Cleos Frey, our friend Cleos, yay, brought before him in River Run's Great Hall. And Cleos is basically scared shitless. Of, <laughs> in my notes, you guys, okay, I, I have to break and share this. My notes say, Cleos is basically scared shitless of, of Grey Worm. Grey <laughs> Worm? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he probably would be, but he's actually scared shitless of Grey Wind. (laughs) Yeah, a little more sense. Yeah, which, you know, amuses Rob and his audience. And Rob tells Cleos he's going to release him to send peace terms to Cersei, but that he's expected to return with Cersei's answer and resume his captivity. He makes Cleos pledge to do so before everyone because honor, I guess. Yeah, you know um, what's impressive about this that you kind of forget about is that Cleos actually does do this. I know, have the honor yeah. Back yeah. And resume his prisonerhood. Be like, well, peace out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a moment like I thought about this, and like as I was reading it, I was like, why does he come back? But then I remember, I, I don't remember who it is, but somebody, I think it's the great John, who goes, everyone in this room has heard you say that, yeah. which I guess is like the threat of like if you don't someone's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, to an extent. I mean, I think he might actually have some knightly ideals, honestly. I mean, look at the way that he kind of gets after Jamie for picking on Brienne. <laughs> yeah, and is he part of Tyrion's escape plot later? No, he does not know that that's happening, okay. as I recall. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so Rob makes his terms known, and to sum it up, they're the release and return of Arya and Sansa in exchange for William... Um, Lannister and Tien Frey, that the Lannisters return Ned's bones along with the bodies of his household to Winterfell, that they send ice to Rob and release the prisoners from the Green Fork in exchange for the release of captives from the Whispering Wood in the Battle of the Camp, Sands Jamie. They want the Lannisters to acknowledge Rob as the King of the North over the lands north of the Neck, lands watered by the Trident and bordering the Golden Tooth to the west and the Mountains of the Moon to the east. And then additionally, the Iron Throne will send Rob ten noble prisoners who will be gradually released as the peace holds. And Kat I mean, no- like, you kind of have to think of this as like an opening salvo, right? I mean, like, first round of negotiations yeah. is... 
I mean, he he's like, you know, I have to be this harsh. I have to be this harsh. But it, it's like in the back of his mind, he must be thinking there must be an offer for which he might give up Jamie. To, I mean, I despite what he says later, you know, I, I mean, and I don't know. You know, Cat. We we find out that Cat doesn't seem to think the terms were sweet enough, and you know, she thinks Rob should be willing to trade Jamie for Sansa and Arya. Mm-hmm. And you know, to me, it was like if Rob thinks that the only thing that Cersei will take is Jamie. And, you know, if he knows that this will piss off some of his men, it's like, yeah, other other than being a negotiating point, why is he offering terms at all? Yeah, I mean, this just the fact that he's negotiating is pissing off Karstark. So, like, right. why even do it if you're not willing to go far enough to get it done, I guess? I don't know. It's, it's one of those weird things where it's like, can he just not even say it? Or does he really not even consider it a possibility? I, it's I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things that it's hard to know. I is mean, like, just to be noble, you know? I don't know. Because it's such, I mean, he's asking for a lot. I mean, it's like oh, the whole yeah. Yeah, I mean, kingdom. <laughs> He's asking for everything, I think. I mean, is there anything that he wouldn't want here? No. Other than the no. Iron Throne. He's not, yeah, I mean, he's well, asking for absolutely everything. I mean, doesn't and, it sound yeah. like opening round of negotiations where you just ask for everything in the kitchen yeah. sink, yeah. knowing you're not going to get yeah. it all, and Aim you're high. willing to move then mm-hmm. on the next, yeah, I mean, um, who knows? <laughs> I have a, you know, what do we think of Karstark? Because I feel like he's being super unreasonable, and his attitude that he should be entitled to some revenge against Jamie, who killed his sons, you know, as legitimately as possible in the society. Like, I feel yeah, that Rob, that the great John, like, these other lords need to kind of take him aside and be like, we get that you're grief-stricken, but your attitude is fucked. Like, I mean, well, he's got to want to release reality. Right, like you should frankly want him to release Jamie so that you can kill him in battle. I mean, that's, that's acceptable. Yeah. yeah, they were killed in battle. They weren't. It wasn't like he, you know, in the ambush on their, their murdered them under too, guest you know. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or or killed them, um, you know, in a in a in a prison guard capacity like they showed yeah. on the show. It was not that circumstance. I mean, yeah. What is more honorable than battle? They literally died protecting Rob. I mean, they died an incredibly honorable death. In, in a, you know, in, frankly, a socially acceptable way. And mm-hmm. the fact that he can't get that, it means he kind of, like, basically needs to be sent home. He you really know, does. Be like, give one of, you know. Cool off. Give someone <laughs> yeah, else. So time out time. Go yeah. stick in your head yeah. in some snow. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. it's like the same way, Guile, that you're always like, I wonder what Strings Littlefinger is pulling in, in King's Landing with Joffrey and stuff. It's kind of, you wonder... Okay, is 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 Roos pulling some strings here with Karstark to keep him just this enraged, or you know, like mm. why is he so unreasonable about, about this? Although later, when you learn more about the Karstarks, George kind of characterizes them as a very hot-blooded yes. and <laughs> short-thoughted people, the men especially. So yeah, I don't know idiot. if it's just that. <laughs> so um, Cat and Rob get into this kind of nasty. I mean, not nasty, but it's you know, it's a deep fight about the fact that Rob admits that he would have considered trading Jamie for Ned, but not his sisters. And Edmure tries to defend Rob, but really Kat nor neither Kat nor Rob is having any of it. And Kat accuses him. Uh, she says, girls are not important enough, are they? <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. I mean, Which is a reality. Yeah. yeah. Although, yeah, I mean, there's, there's really no other way around it, unfortunately. And, you know, they kind of get down to the heart of the problem between them at this point, which is that Rob feels like he's outgrown his mother. Yeah. And, you know, he offers her a bunch of options to leave. She can go to Winterfell. 
she can go to the twins and help pick out Rob's wife, or she can go with Theon to Pike. And Kat declines, claiming that her place is with her dying father. But again, she questions the wisdom of sending Theon to treat with his own father. And, you know, <sighs> could you imagine what would have happened if she had gone with Theon? Oh, oh, I was oh. wondering about that. <laughs> oh, God. But, I mean, I mean like, think... Theon would have had a lot less fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, and then eventually more fun. But <laughs> oh. Do you think I... that Balin would have taken her as a hostage? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. But, like, the the whole thing here, I mean, you get where Rob's coming from, and you, again, you know, like, wondering who's pulling strings. It's like, you kind of wonder who might be advising Rob to take this move, you know? Might might Edmure have been in his, his ear about getting Cat gone or something, you know? I don't Oh, know. I don't think Edmure wants Cat gone, because then he might have to go deal with his dad. Oh, wasn't there some line about um, Theon smiling about something? Oh, what was it? Was it like, when- I think it's the... Confirm. Wasn't there a line of how he always has, smiles like he, you know, has some secret joke? Yeah, like when when they were talking, when he was talking to Cleos. Something. Yeah. Right. But I think that's just like his, his look. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just his I face. honestly don't think that anyone would have to whisper in Rob's ear to make him feel this way about his mother right now. Because I was listen, like reading this argument and going through it, I was like, it almost seems like they're not even really arguing about Theon anymore. It seems like they're really arguing about John, where she she has always looked at Theon with suspicion, and I and Rob has always seen him as another brother, and he's like, you've done this before with John. I don't really trust your judgment anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, I think, you know, if you think about cat going to pike i mean the thing that makes it kind of ridiculous is that you know that they don't really have any relationship and that Mm -hmm. she wouldn't have had a chance to like temper change anything and you know that's kind of her own choosing you know she's definitely like her kids and you don't really see her having much of a relationship with anyone else Mm -hmm. and that's just you know i mean and maybe that's part of it you know part of the little it's part of the little finger factor like Obviously, you know, Hoster Tully kind of brought, you know, Littlefinger was really welcomed into that family and it turned into a disaster, like more than Kat even knows. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wonder if somewhere subconsciously she like knows that and and that has had an effect on her relationship with these surrogate kids. And I think she's a little snobby, like just in her personality. I do think like she's she kind of a snob. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know? We know this. We've seen it. We've seen her yeah. meeting new people and like, you know. Maya and just being snotty. I mean, you know, she doesn't mean to be. I know it's the way that she was raised. I don't. I don't think that it is with her it, within her context. I don't think it's her being snotty, but well, I mean, she's very like is. Sansa. Oh I yeah, mean, you yeah. see this through Sansa's eyes too when she meets people. She she has that snobby streak that she absolutely gets from Cat. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll see this later on whenever she first meets Brienne. Oh when God, she, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next week, everyone. Yeah, Looking hooray. forward to it. <laughs> um, so Rob leaves her rather abruptly, and Kat asks Edmure to come with her to their father's chambers. And Edmure declines, claiming that he needs to oversee some training. Kat thinks her brother would sooner face battle than that, si- than that sick room. And you know, I'm very much an Edmure defender, and I had to say, like, I really like felt for him at that that moment. That's such like a human moment, and there are, you know, I think. You know, unfortunately, in most of our lives, we'll have rooms that we don't want to go into. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, 
yeah, one of those times you have where to put George... on your, your big girl oh, pants and go in and do right, it. Right, you got to go in the room, but which is boy, what if you can... always has to do. Like this right, is a she... really good metaphor for their relationships. Like, oh, somebody has to marry somebody for an alliance. Cat's like, okay, we'll all do it, and Edmer just dodges it his whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I, I get like wanting to avoid that room. Let's just say. Well, yeah, to, it, to be fair to Edmure, denial is the first stage of grief, and he's very much in denial. <laughs> yeah, but he's had longer to get accustomed to it to, than anybody. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. I, I mean, yeah, I think, like, he, it's hard because, you know, he's the one who bears the most burden of it in terms of running, you know, actually running the house. And he can keep himself busy with that, but I think there's a difference between, like, the duty, you know, assuming the duty and then, like, saying goodbye to the person. And he's the one that would have spent, you know, he didn't go anywhere to marry anyone, so he spent, like, far more time with Hoster than than anyone, than anyone too. Mm-hmm. So he could, you know, it can be a much stronger emotional tie just given that they've spent their lives together. Yeah, but that's all the more reason to be there to support his poor dad in his last few hours. I mean, I find this, like, in an adult, a grown adult like Edmure, who's 30, I mean, I just find this kind of behavior childish. It's, isn't he the youngest in the family? does not speak well of Edmure to me. I'm sorry, what was that, Ellie? Uh, Isn't he the youngest? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty classic baby of the family. Yeah. Responsibility. Oddly enough, the baby of of my family defending him. Um, (laughs) There we go. (laughs) It all makes sense now. Um, (laughs) When your older siblings are in there taking care of it. Yes. (laughs) No, when when everyone everyone is there, but boy, you would give anything to not be there. Um, So Kat goes to Hoster's room, and she finds the blackfish is in there with him. And they talk about how Hoster is being kept comfortable with dream wine and, and milk of the poppy. And he isn't really there anymore. They step outside of his rooms and note that the red comet, which, um, you know, I didn't really talk about what's going on in the book at this point. But, you know, through all of the POVs, we're seeing notes and, and talk about the red comet that's streaming across the sky. And I have a, a little passage about this. Um, Her uncle glanced up, frowning. You can see it by day now. My men call it the red messenger, but what is the message? Catelyn raised her eyes to where the faint red line of the comet traced a path across the deep blue sky, like a long scratch across the face of God. The great John told Rob that the old gods have unfurled a red flag of vengeance for Ned. Edmure thinks it's an omen of victory for River Run. He sees a fish with a long tail in the tully colors, red against blue. She sighed. I wish I had their faith. Crimson is a Lannister color. Hmm. That thing's not crimson, Sir Brendan said, nor Tully red, the mud red of the river. That's blood up there, child, smeared across the sky. Our blood or theirs. Was there ever a war where only one side blood? (laughs) Can I just say, I had completely forgotten about the comet, and I enjoyed it so much. It's one of my favorite parts of this book, is just everybody speculating on this comet, which of course... Oh, yeah. From a reader perspective like me, like, I'm like, well, it has no meaning. It's just a comet, you guys. Right. I know. By A Dance with Dragons, you've totally forgotten about that comet. And uh-huh. There's the whole theory about that comet's going to be the ending of this, of this whole story. That's going to close it. Like Sweet Meteor of Death, huh? Yeah, that's how it all ends. That'd be awesome. Like what, it crashes into the ground and kills everybody? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you know, it's funny, I remember this being one of the the things that I found so visibly poignant about the show. 
I think, okay, now don't quote me because I'm not sure, but I think they took one episode and kind of did several shots of people seeing this comet, if I recall correctly. And that was really cool. It's one of those things that it can be hard when you're reading to kind of connect the world together because it takes so long to get through all the POVs and kind of get, you know, match up same points in the story. Um, and it was a really cool thing on the show, seeing the comet and, and exactly like you said, Ellie, just seeing people kind of throughout this portion of the story, seeing this really bad omen, obviously. Everybody agrees it's a bad omen in the sky. Well, some uh, people think it's a good omen, like Edmure. Yeah. Well, or, you know, the dragons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's obviously supposed to be Targaryen red. That's the red, since you can't pin what house it is. So, Brendan updates Kat on what's going on in the Riverlands, and the lords that Edmure is released to go back and defend, the, defend their lands are basically getting crushed by the remaining Lannister forces and um, various reavers, essentially. Um, Blackwood's lost everything but his keep, and the poor boy, the poor boy Lord Derry, who I think was eight, um, lost his life to Gregor, to Gregor Clegane. And he mentions a lot of the characters that will meet pretty soon via Arya, and then later via Jamie's um, POV chapters, and we hear about the Brotherhood, the Brotherhood without banners, and Vargo Holt and Amory Lorch. So, you know, as you're reading the book, you start to get the sense of, you know, this is what Arya is walking into. She's, mm-hmm. you know, basically walking into this hell in the Riverlands. And in the meantime, Tywin Lannister himself sits safely behind the walls of Harrenhal. And the Blackfish tells Cat that Tywin has unleashed this terror in the Riverlands precisely because he wants to provoke Rob to attack Harrenhal. And I have another um, short passage about Harrenhal, which I thought was kind of cool. My first rule of war, Cat, never give the enemy his wish. Lord Tywin would like to fight on a field of his own choosing. He wants us to march on Harrenhal. Harrenhal. Every child of the Trident knew the tales told of Harrenhal, the vast fortress that King Heron the Black had raised besides the waters of the God's Eye 300 years past, when the Seven Kingdoms had been Seven Kingdoms, and the Riverlands were ruled by the Iron Men from the Islands. In his pride, Heron had desired the highest hall and tallest towers in all Westeros. Forty years it had taken, rising like a great shadow on the shore of the lake, while Heron's armies plundered his neighbors for stone, lumber, gold, and workers. Thousands of captives died in his quarries, chained to his sledges or laboring on his five colossal towers. Men froze by winter and sweltered in summer. Weirwoods that had stood 3,000 years were cut down for beams and rafters. Heron had beggared the Riverlands and the Iron Islands alike to ornament his dream. And when at last Harrenhal stood complete, on the very day King Heron took up residence, Egan the Conqueror had come ashore at King's Landing. (laughs) (laughs) Catelyn could remember hearing old Nan tell the story to her own children back at Winterfell. And King Heron learned that thick walls and high towers are small use against dragons, the tales always ended, for dragons fly. Heron and all his line had perished in the fires that engulfed his monstrous fortress, and every house that held Harrenhal since had come to misfortune. Strong it might be, but it was a dark place, and cursed. It's kind of interesting that um, Kat, like, has this tale of Harrenhal, um told through old Nan's eyes when, isn't Cat's mama went and they hold her at all? <laughs> Is she a went? Is she? that right? Yeah, she's Manisa went. Hmm. Yeah, that's funny she Unless didn't the mention that then. didn't hold it at that point, but I mean, it seems like they would have held it for at least the past, like, 30 or 40 years, oh, so. Yeah, yeah, you would think. Or maybe George hadn't decided who Cat's mom was going to be at this point. Yeah, you know? <laughs> maybe. 
Yeah, or that possible. the Wentz had hair and hall. Um, but yeah, it's like no, kind I of think an we odd. knew that. Okay. But yeah, I, I love I love the lore of Harrenhal. I mean, Harrenhal is so much one of George's crucibles for his characters. You know, I mean, like he loves to just throw them there. <laughs> so who do you <laughs> you know? Do you, who do you think? You know, looking forward in, into the books for a second. You know, who do you guys think might end up at Harrenhal? I mean, is it have we seen the last of it? You know, I think right at the moment in the books, it's mm-hmm. um. Bonifer Hasty, is that who holds Hasty? I mean, yes, he's there, but like, it's Baelish's. I mean, this is yeah. this is how you know Peter Baelish is going to crash and burn, is because he's <laughs> think the fucking Lord of Harrenhal. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's going to be at Harrenhal that he's going to get his? <laughs> oh, no, it's going to be at Winterfell. I doubt it. Yeah, yeah. But it will I, be, I mean, this is this is one of the portents that he's going to go down in flames. Somebody needs to just take it down, like, uh, whatever their version of a wrecking ball is to <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's already had the wrecking ball to yeah. it. It wouldn't take much more at this point <laughs> no. to take it all apart. <laughs> yeah, because Peter Baelish seems to think that he can uh, outmaneuver the curse by never actually going to Harrenhal, but yeah. Jaina Slint also died, and he never went there, so yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure you're you going to die. You don't have to go there, yeah. <laughs> but it's also funny, too, this focus on Harrenhal when we know that this is where, you know, Arya's going to go through hell. Um very soon. So, oh, God, fucking Harrenhal. Yeah. I mean, we know Arya's going to end up there. Jamie and Brienne are going to end up there. And, you know, some really important scenes. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, we're going to see the best and the worst of it, right? I mean, <sighs> I wonder <sighs> if we'll see it again. I mean, if Wins comes out, if Harrenhal will be there. Isn't all the faces near Harrenhal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because. Yeah. Harrenhal sits on the eye, the god's eye, like oh, right on the shores of it. Not right, right, but like I think within a mile or something. I mean, you could kind of see if, you know, we get like White Walkers all the way down um, to the oh, Trident. Gosh. You know, maybe mm-hmm. there you have uh, people making a stand. Because it seems weird that we would never see the Isle of Faces in the books. Yeah, no, I think, I think we'll see it. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. I, who knows how? God. Just probably going to be poor Brienne or something. Oh, White Walkers in Harrenhal would be really creepy. <laughs> I mean, you know, if we think that Brienne is I mean, gonna... it already is creepy. <laughs> well, I was going to say it would be super creepy and also kind of awesome if uh, Lady Stoneheart took Harrenhal. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is her family's. I mean, she yeah. is, like, actually one of the rightful heiresses to, oh, you know, you could, you could argue that she's, you know something of a rightful heir to Harrenhal. So we'll um, have a scene she could take a white Lady husband. Stoneheart, Lady Stoneheart oh, taking a bath. <laughs> With a white walker or something. I don't know. <laughs> Horrifying. I mean, I don't think it's, you know, Jamie's revisited Harrenhal, so I, and I don't think it's necessarily unreasonable to think that Brienne could, especially if you, I mean, who knows? If she... You know, if she's headed to the Vale, it could very well be on the way back from the Vale with Sansa or, you know, or whatever. You know, there's a lot of different reasons that I think she could end up there. Mm-hmm. They won't be good reasons. That's the thing. <laughs> Probably not. <Yeah. laughs> um, so, can we go back to Edmure telling all of his lords that they can go yeah. home and how dumb that is? Why was that a good idea? I, You know, it's hard because... I don't. I think realistically, they're at this point in time, sitting still, kind of is Rob's best decision. Mm-hmm. 
And then how do you have those lords sit still while their lands are, you know, while their lands and people are being slaughtered? Like, I, mean, I always I, assumed there was an element of not wanting to have to feed them while they were there. Oh. It's a chance to let them, because they're not going very far. Hmm. I don't know. I, I guess, but even in the that short distances that they're going, they're getting their asses kicked. Yeah. And, you know, the blackfish comes back and is like, why was this a good idea? They're all getting their asses kicked. I mean, unless you, you know, they put their put themselves out in force and, like, didn't go all the way to Hall, but, like, stopped enough to... Push back, you know, push back the lines. Or oh, I don't think anybody was going to Heron Hall, were they? No, no, no. But, yeah, it's they're. I mean, they're in a dilly of a pickle, as they say. <laughs> Do they say? Is that something? <sighs> yeah. Well, People I mean, and this it. is kind of the the ongoing question for Rob. It's you know, like how long can you maintain this standing army without you know, kind of formulating a plan? But he's kind of waiting to see how some other things shake out before he decides what he's going to do, which is understandable. Right. So. Well, and I'm kind of like, I'm totally sympathetic to that. And I get that, like, it's difficult for these lords to see their people slaughtered and their lands burned and stuff. But on some level, it's kind of out of line for Edmure to suggest that they go home. Like, everyone should be presenting a united front right now. And I feel like as much as I love Edmure and I'll defend him, I'm kind of like, Edmure, why did you even bring this up? And like, Rob is only 15 so I can see him making that decision even though it's kind of a bad one but it just doesn't make sense because they have to call I mean the the idea is that they have to realize they'd have to call them back at some point and I didn't know exactly oh yeah they know they know they're gonna need them back I mean maybe the better solution is to yeah it's no, go home and defend and then come back. Yeah, I and think part of it is some of them. Some of them are losing family members, and yeah. it may be that they're ready. You know, they're yeah, maybe they like, pushed it too. It's possible that that they may be car starking to Edmure. We really don't see too much of that. I know there's a little bit of mention of the Brackens and the Blackwoods, but they both get hit really hard. Mm. And you know, maybe they have the. You know, maybe they have some of the northern houses or some of the northern troops with them. Like, maybe that would have been a decent solution to, uh, yeah, I don't know, you know kind of get part. those, those the northerners kind of seem hot to trot. Well, this could have been an opportunity for them to do something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that just seems like a good way to spread your forces too thin and lose a lot of them. Uh, oh, yeah, but, I mean, from a military perspective, I, I see what you're saying. Right. I think the thing we don't really know is uh, battlefield-wise if they're so f- well within territory that they feel like they hold securely, that they can yeah. spread themselves yeah. out a little bit. Although, I mean, you know, Tywin isn't going to come out of Hall and attack them any more than they're willing to attack Hall. You know, they're both like two dogs yeah. playing possum. But what they've path, essentially you know? done is they've essentially obliterated, you know, the Jamie half of the Lannister forces. Yeah. So I think they're yep. feeling like they're in a pretty strong position yep. right now. And they have uh, Tywin pinned, and they also know that Tywin has to deal with uh, Stannis and Renly, obviously. So, so they, I think, yeah, that's true too. I forgot. Healing. Yeah, she does bring up Renly. You can well, tell. They, I mean, just talk. when we talk about like Rob sending to to Cersei, I think you know. I mean, obviously, not saying that he doesn't. Everybody doesn't know that he's asking for more than he could ever get from her. But I mean, I think I think part of the reason that this delegation is going when it is is because they sense that. Um, it would be in the Lannisters' best interest to make peace right now because the Lannisters are in a really, you know, precarious is the only way to put it position, and they are, which you find out when you get Tyrion's head again. Um, you know, yeah, Blackfish mentions to Cat that you know there's another Lannister force um, 
forming at Casterly Rock, and it's led by, you know, they call him the dullard Sir Stafford Lannister. <laughs> and it's our first mention of, you know, Davin. the very capable Sir Davin, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and Kyle's happy. Yeah, I was happy. I didn't realize, I was like, oh, Davin already. <laughs> oh, my heart was not prepared. Um, <laughs> you know, and Kat has, you know, Kat realizes that they need to make Tywin leave Harrenhal before these before Sir Stafford's forces are ready to go. And there's kind of this little conversation that, that ends the chapter. Yes, Sir Brynden prompted, unless he must leave Harrenhal, she said, to face some other threat. Her uncle looked at her thoughtfully. Lord Renly. King Renly. If she would ask help from the man, she would need to grant him the style he had claimed for himself. Perhaps, the blackfish smiled, a dangerous smile. He'll want something, though. He'll want what kings always want, she said. Homage. So, I mean, I think we've kind of discussed that, you know, yeah, this seems like, you know, they're obviously expecting the Lannisters to reject their their peace treaty. And, you know, what do you guys think? I mean, this seems like a fairly decent plan. What, going to get Renly? Yeah. Yeah, or to align themselves with Renly. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, from from their terrible options. Yeah. Obviously, Renly, you know, you know, you're gonna have an easier time negotiating with Renly than Stannis. Oh, Everybody yeah. knows that. Yeah, everyone pretty much knows that like Stannis will not put up with your shit. <laughs> yeah, well, and from this position, I mean, it looks like Renly's gonna win the day. I mean, you know, he's got the Tyrells in his back pocket. So between got the Tyrells, Tyrells and the Stormlands, yeah. Yeah. yeah, his big lady wench. Like, I mean, he's <laughs> <laughs> everything's coming up, Renly. <laughs> He's got his superhero. <laughs> right. So, I mean, yeah, you kind of, um, you know, when I know I ask this question a lot when I moderate, but I'm fascinated by the people that read the books before the show. Like, did you, you know, did you think, hey, this is going to work out? Or had you been, like, uh, sufficiently, like, devastated by Game of Thrones that you trusted nothing at this point? You know, I was stunned when they killed Renly, or when Renly died. I was like, oh my god, what, what, what? I remember that at the time, because you kind of get the feeling in reading a Game of Thrones that Renly's the sleeper who's gonna, you know, be a, a big player. I mean, like, it's funny, we talk about, you know, whether you think Rob is, you know, the main guy or whatever, and it's like... I actually thought Renly would would secretly be one of the big players in the end, and I was just astounded. I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, like Renly, I was sad, and I and I thought, you know, I thought he had a pretty good chance too, but it might have been just my bias in liking him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because you know, and they never captured this on the show, but Renly in the books is so charming. Kind yeah, of. he's really oh, funny, yeah, and he is. <laughs> he 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 makes fun of Robert. He'll make fun of anybody. You know, <laughs> I know. Oh, <laughs> the comic relief. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, he's. I realize we're like skipping ahead to like the next chapters, but <laughs> anyone who's like thinking of maybe skipping the next couple of yeah. chapters, like don't because they're super awesome. Yeah, they like, oh, they're so good. They're like, the, I mean, that's why I think like sometimes we forget like Cat's chapters and Clash are like they rock. Like it's all they're the stuff so that you. Oh, yeah. She's exactly where you want her to be in the story. Like, yeah, this is what I want to be. Yeah, this is what yeah, I want to like, know. Come on, it's yeah. it's you get to see the showdown between yeah. Rinley and Stannis. I mean, like, come on, who'd want to oh, miss yeah. that? We're yeah. gonna have the Stannis and Rinley showdown where Rinley's like. <laughs> 
taking a bite out of a peach. Fucking peach. Peaches. Yes. Is that Peaches. from Cat's POV or is it from Davos's POV? Oh. I think it's Cat because she's talking to okay. Cat. Yeah. To put them so. in she's thinking, she's thinking. Yeah, she's thinking like a mom as she's watching. <laughs> so, so, Eon, do we have any mail tonight? We have one, and it's an anon. <laughs> it's an anon question. It says, "Is Trot more of a Frey, a Greyjoy, or a Bolton?" Oh God! I don't a think trigger he has warning for this. Yeah, we actually probably do need a trigger warning. <laughs> yeah, tr- Trump, Trump, trigger Trump. Warning. Trump trigger warning. Yeah, apocalypse <laughs> trigger warning. Oh god. Okay, so what were the options? Frey, Greyjoy, or what? Bolton. Mm. Oh. Greyjoy. I was Grey gonna say Joy. Greyjoy too, because they seem that combination of like vicious and kooky. Like there's dumb. Really vicious <laughs> megalomania. The Victorian you know, type situation. I was <sighs> I was going Greyjoy, but I almost think that maybe Targaryen should be an option. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, I could see that. Well, he's got a little of this uh, Lannister vanity going on. So <laughs> yeah, I definitely I, think he's a narcissist. He's, he's not he's funny. Cersei like Lannister, Lannisters are funny. No, he's not funny. No. <laughs> Even Cersei can be funny. Yeah, but she's supposed to be unintentionally funny. There's <laughs> an easy way to figure this out. Whose house has the smallest hands? <laughs> How small hands? Probably the phrase. The phrase might be I mean, the smallest hands. The phrase seem too smart. Like two chins, though, which is very Trump-like. <laughs> too yeah. conniving. They seem to, uh, yeah, for him. And, he has and like terrible hair. <laughs> Maybe he's afraid. Got bad hair and no chin. <laughs> and like five wives. And yeah, a bunch of, you're right. Yeah, yeah, the the latch part. Oh yeah, the latch. Why he might be afraid. <laughs> He's all the bad parts of all the houses, the main house. <laughs> like a quiz like, together. You might be afraid if. <laughs> oh, you heard it here first, guys. He retakes Donald it over Trump and over. <laughs> I think like he's too, he's too um, orange maybe to be a Bolton. Yeah. Just <laughs> have kind of a, a stoutish face, I would say. He's also like not quiet enough. Now I'm picturing Davin Lannister having to marry like Tiffany Trump. <laughs> oh, <my gosh. laughs> oh no. Anyway, so anything else, anyone? Oh no, I think that pretty much that does pretty it. much killed it. Okay. <laughs> <It's off. laughs> so um, if you want more of exciting content like this, support our podcast and become a Patreon. <laughs> You'll get benefits like special episodes and exclusive early access to new episodes. Listen and review us on iTunes. Um, more than one star. I, actually, we should talk about this quick. Um, we've got our Olympia recipe. Is there anything else we're oh waiting God, for? Yeah, people? you guys. That was the <laughs> know, best was fucking news. <laughs> Pretty exciting. <laughs> How long has it been? Like, it's been oh, over like a year. We've been year. asking for that goddamn yeah. recipe. A year. Yeah. Oh, also, took us a long the thing, time. this is our 150th episode. Woo-hoo! I know, right? I remember all this shit at the end. Um, so, <laughs> so our 150th episode, we have to think about something that we would like from reviewers. Um, anything? A fray hat knitting pattern. Oh, oh yeah, That's a really good one. Was it? Well, see, the Lumpia recipe came up because we were for a while. The Philippines was our like fourth or fifth biggest country who who listened to us but we didn't have any reviews from them and so of course our fearless leader lot in her usual (laughs) style 
started trying to guilt trip them into reviewing us by asking for lumpia recipes. So that's how the lumpia recipe (laughs) thing came to be. So I don't know. We'd have to look and see what country's listening. Yeah. We'll have to get back to, um, get back to you countries. Um, So anyway, listen and review us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google play, and all of the other places. Find us on Tumblr, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can email us at close the door at gmail.com. And I want to thank the panel And thank you all for listening. I'm closing the door. Get out.